What's up? This is Matt Franco. And this is Eric Dittleman. Welcome to Mind Over Magic. Oh man, episode 80. This is uh, amazing because I feel like we're really in the flow today. We just basically did a podcast before we did the podcast. Yeah, prior, Not on purpose. Prior to hitting record, we were just chatting and catching up on I mean, something. we just did 40 minutes uh, and we basically just never hit record. Yeah, I mean, some of that stuff we could have put it on here anyway. <laughs> well, I mean, you don't have to tease people with that. <laughs> but you can if you want to. Look, I'm not going to stop you. But no, um, no. yeah, we're in the flow today, episode 80. And uh, I know you wanted to hit off the top. You, you remembered or you looked up the illusion consultant for the show you saw. Right. So when I, last episode we mentioned I saw a company and uh, there was some magic in there and I didn't have the program right in front of me. So I just wanted to give the proper credit to Chris Fisher, who did mm. the illusions on that show uh, and also was a magic associate, associate for Harry Potter and the Cursed Child, which I think I'm going to try and see again in February. Uh, wow. I saw it before. I had real bad seats. I was like way in the back of the orchestra, stuck behind a tall man and a pillar. <laughs> so yep. I like was yep. moving around the whole time. Uh, but that was back when they did it in two shows. Like it was, you saw a whole two act show, then you yep. broke and then came back later the next day sometimes or the same day in my case and saw mm -hmm. another two act show. They've since condensed it down to one complete show. Okay. So you don't have to leave the theater and come back. Uh, so I'm curious to see the changes, but I'm also hoping to have a better seat so I can actually see the illusions uh, up close. So, Very cool. Yeah, just want to give that proper credit to Chris Fisher. Well done with the illusions and stuff. Very good. Yeah, we were, we were getting into so much before we came on. I don't even know where we should... Uh, where we should lead off on this thing. Did we talk about Dolly Parton? No, that, I was just going to say, so we were just talking about a, a couple other podcasts we were listening to, and uh, uh, I'm, I'm fascinated by this Dead Eyes podcast, mostly because of um, uh, it's also a UCB performer, Connor Ratliff, uh, where he talks about basically auditioning processes as actors and so forth, and this sparked a story that you auditioned for something, and I don't know this story, Matt, so I want to know yeah. everything that's going on right now. Well, it's not right now. This is going yeah. back a few years, okay, but I've cool, mean cool. I can't believe I've never even told you about this. Okay, probably because well. it's really just embarrassing. Um, <laughs> so, I, occasionally, my agents would send over things to read for. Mm -hmm. Just like, um, for example, like I've read for like cartoon characters before. None mm -hmm. of these, not a single one of these things has ever actually happened. <laughs> well, this these is are, like expanding out of that box we were talking about and becoming like more of a full personality. And once you get to a level of, you know, success, your agents are also like, maybe we can get you into the, the acting stuff, right? That's what kind of their motivation is. Or did I, you see this I know, out? No, I never really asked a lot of questions. I guess so. I never really asked mm -hmm. a lot of questions. These things just sort of came about. And gotcha. I was like, oh, that's really cool. Yeah, I'll give this a shot. Sure, 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 sure. And you know how these things go. I mean, it's all rejection, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. You get used and it, to it, at least in my case <laughs> as an actor, because so many people are trying out for things and right. they're looking for certain types. Sometimes it's not even based off the, your ability. It's just you're not the right. right look or you know feel for the role, and so hundred percent. And all of these things have the done. Um, yeah. Like a lot of this stuff done is it's what they call a self taped. Mm -hmm. So you're not actually having to show up anywhere to do this. You just do it. You film it at home or, you know, 
in a studio, whatever. You basically stand in front of a blank wall and read the lines with someone reading with you, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, other than the cartoon thing, which was just audio, which was like, anyway. So I, I've received a few of these, and the last one I ever received, <laughs> I don't think they've sent me any since then because this one <laughs> didn't really go that well. Um, it was for this, like, Christmas special type thing. Mm-hmm. And, like, it, I guess it was, like, this Dolly Parton Christmas special. Gotcha. And, like, where – I guess I was reading for a part where you, you play – this was, a, you know, a televised thing. I, I was reading for a part where you're a family member of, of Dolly Parton, like, but it's set back a little bit. So, like, you're you, – it's like she's growing up and you're her uncle or something. Oh, weird. Right? <laughs> okay. I believe. I could be misremembering it a little bit, uh-huh. but the point is – this was like a sequel or something. So I went back and looked at the original and everyone speaks with a Southern accent. Uh-huh, right. So like I asked, I was like, do I have to read in a Southern accent? Everyone's like reading in a Southern accent. Again, I got very minimal information on this. It was just like, here, read for this. And I was like, if you're interested. And I was like, okay, cool. So like they basically just got back to me and they're like, yes. Wow. <laughs> so you had to so, do your Southern accent reading for this part. Yes. In a yeah, sequel to on a camera. special that I'm definitely going to look up later to <laughs> see what this is all about. Did the sequel air? I believe it did. I believe there have been like three or four of these things. Did you know who got cast in your part you read for? It's funny you say that. So I looked it up. Okay. And uh, guy looks just like me. <laughs> Like, it wasn't one of those things where it's like, oh, at least they were going for something completely mm-hmm. different. No, like, literally, he just, like, had the same coloring hair, same so eye funny. color, like, same height. Like, it basically was just me, but he could act. Okay, yeah, gotcha. <laughs> yeah. Was there any... I have so many questions. <laughs> was there any magic, like, in this part? Like, why did they think of... You? No, there was no no magic. This was just a straight, like... um Acting straight role. acting role essentially wow yeah. and i had read for things like this before for different shows and things mm-hmm. and like um in the past i had gotten positive feedback like oh wow mm-hmm. you really captured the you know or or I, it might just you know it just might be los angeles talk of like oh yeah you did great or like um yeah you you re- we really like what you did with this you know that sort right. of like um puffery or um, yes manning kind of thing blowing smoke if you will but this <laughs> this particular time uh I believe the feedback was, we're not going to send this in. (laughs) So you really nailed it. I mean, I don't do accents. So like I was probably going in and out of my own voice and like in and out of a Southern accent, like muddy, like into my own Rhode Island accent. Like I, I, who knows? I have the footage because it was a self tape. Oh no. Oh no. You should have told me that. I know. Well, I didn't say you're going to gain access to it. Um, um, but we... yeah, I'm pretty sure they're like, yeah, the, yeah, we're not going to send this in. I was right. like, okay, fair enough. I know we've been <laughs> chatting about maybe getting a Patreon or some sort of way to support the podcast, uh, but I'm now thinking this could be in some sort of access vault. Top level. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember any lines from the self-tape? Yeah, I do remember some of the lines. Yeah, because I, I, I still quote it. 
to Tiana sometimes because we just talk about how bad it was because she was on the other end behind the camera reading the you know line reading with me. That can be a tough role. I remember for one of my f- former roommates, uh, they you know did a lot of self tapes as well, and they needed people to read. And I read a bunch of times behind the camera. And mm-hmm. on one specific occasion, apparently the agent got back to my roommate and was just like, "Who was reading on the other end?" They were like too expressive (laughs) oh my god (laughs) that's ridiculous like i was trying to be a good like scene partner so they had something to work off of they you know a lot of these self-tapes are just expecting someone to just read as dry and minimal as possible so that the actor in front of the camera can really shine (laughs) yeah um that's interesting. It's uh, <laughs> I, I've never been on the other end of it, but like Tiana didn't love doing it. No, no, it's it's a tough thing. This whole the acting world. I mean, I've only experienced it a bit with some of the background roles, you know, that I've done uh, mm-hmm. as well. I remember I went in for an actual audition when I was living back in Boston. I think I went for like a brother printer commercial, and I don't know what I was doing. I just went in and read something, and they're like, "All right, good job. See you later." <laughs> I never right. heard from them again. And I, I vaguely remember my mother taking me to like some audition when I was a kid, like for milk. It was like some open call thing, and I was just like, I don't know, let's get the experience, try it. But I, I don't know if that ha- maybe me and my brother both were like just like ushered into a room to read, and then we never heard anything. So right, but uh, yeah, it's a whole fascinating that that world. So so prior to the Dolly Parton one, you had a bunch. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that, a handful. That, and now you're saying that that well has dried up? <laughs> yeah, I don't think I've... I, I, ever since it was, hey, we're not going to submit this one, I think they determined they're just not going to submit anything. And yeah. It, again, I just sit back and go, fair enough. <laughs> I mean, I I don't think I have the ability to... I can play myself, really. Like, if a character... You know, there and mm-hmm. some actors actually make a career out of that. Yeah, right. But, like, I can kind of only... I can... I think I can act if I'm playing someone very similar to me. Right. But, like, I can't do a- accents for me. That's a whole nother ball game. Like, I, I recently saw a clip of um, um, the movie when Lindsay Lohan was a kid and she played two different characters. Parent Trap? Is that what it's called? Yeah, that sounds It was right. a remake. Yeah. But anyway, like, I didn't realize in that movie, or I didn't remember from when I was a kid. I don't know if I've ever actually seen it. She was doing, like, a British accent, I believe. Right. Or one of them was. Maybe both of them. I don't remember. Um, but, like, wow, what talent. I mean, I could never do... Well, they have I voice just, coaches yeah. and stuff like that. You could have, like, if you really wanted to nail this Dolly Parton Southern accent, you could have hired a dialect coach to help prepare yeah. and so forth. Yeah. But are you telling us right now, Matt, mm. to our dedicated listeners, you're yeah. not going to give us one line in the Southern accent? Uh, I don't think I. I don't think it's uh, <laughs> a possible. I just remember, like, the the character was really speaking to other family members talking about how you know singing was in dolly's heart and this is not the accent by the way but like (laughs) that's who dolly is that's what she's about that's that's what's in her heart this is where she belongs she's made for this and like it was this like sort of encouraging character encouraging that dolly was made for stardom that's what i remember of it this is fantastic i'm so glad and then a story (laughs) There was like a constant references to another character that was named Avi Lee. Mm-hmm. So I still walk around the house occasionally saying Avi Lee, Avi Lee in my southern accent. <laughs> you almost did it there. I could <laughs> Avi Lee. 
Wow. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, that's that's where I'm at. So that's it's, crazy. Uh, that that's uh, that's where that's where like my uh, amazing acting career started mm-hmm. and ended. Right. Right. Well, I mean, there, there. What's the quote where every magician is an actor on stage? I botched that quote so badly, <laughs> but um, but it's, it's true. It's the Robert Houdin, right? Where he says, uh, "Yeah, Robert Houdin." Yeah, Robert Speaking Houdin. Of <laughs> <laughs> um, now that is true. So, like in a, in a way, I'm a, a we're great actors in playing ourselves because we do it mm-hmm. all the time. But um, and and I did get to do that too. By the way, I think we talked about this once. There was a pilot I went and did. Right. Yeah. I, I think, think we, we talked, talked about yeah. that on this podcast, and that was super fun. Mm-hmm. And like, I, I that was easy because I was playing myself, and we were like in a location that was like a faux magic castle. You know, right. it was like it was very much in my wheelhouse, and like super easy to like be myself in a performing environment. That that's no problem. Um, but yeah, playing once you start saying, okay, you're gonna play this other person, that that takes such talent and skill, if you ask me. I mean, um, and I've taken acting classes and stuff in college, and like, I, I feel like my friends had an easier time with it than I did because I'm so ingrained in like um, performing, and acting is different than right. straight up performing. You don't want to turn on; you want to be natural. Right, and yeah, in front, especially with film stuff, like you know, movies and whatnot, everyone's like you got to play it down the the emotions that you're doing the the nuances cuz the camera can pick up on everything but when you're on mm-hmm. stage it's all about being big and bold so the people at the back of the house can also read what you're trying to emote uh, so it's 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 really tough to go from stage to screen mm-hmm. and really bring everything so minimally down yeah. Yeah. Just the smallest wrinkle in your forehead of like when you're expressing concern or surprise or all those things read so much bigger on, on the on the big screen. Whereas on stage, that would never play. Right. Your yeah. expression needs to be much bigger and your your body language needs to play into it so that it reads to the back of the house. Whereas um, in television and movies, I guess it's a you know whole different ballgame. But same thing, performing magic um, on stage, it honestly is different than performing um on television and like the truth is even with the show that like tapes in front of a live audience so for example like an AGT mm-hmm. or even a, a talk show where there's a studio audience um I mean I don't know about you I always play as if it's a TV performance as opposed to a live performance yeah you're playing to the camera a bit more you're playing to the host a bit more you're, you're... I'm only worried about what the cameras are seeing yeah personally mm-hmm. I'm really never worried about like the live audience as much it really takes a back seat because it's it's all about it's all about the millions or whatever watching at home as opposed to the really really small percentile that's really part of the show the live audience is part of the show almost Mm -hmm. yeah right you know they're part of the ambience that the camera's trying to capture we're less worried about their experience because in a way they're they're extras even though they're not they are just real people but well it's using the medium and i think we learned a lot about that from the like even switching over to these virtual shows too and how that's perceived and when you don't have that live audience here it's almost more like a filmic set where you're just you're getting nothing like i imagine i haven't done much movie acting or anything other than you know a little bit of the background work like i said but if you're delivering lines and you're getting zero feedback because everyone's quiet on the set and they're behind the camera i imagine that's very similar to what we were dealing with virtually and then mm-hmm. having to 
figure out how to pull those reactions out of people when they're trying to be quiet watching a screen on their computer and so forth. I've actually heard that quite a bit from people who either like came from a background of uh, theater or stand-up comedy, and then all of a sudden they, you know, they start getting cast in these different shows or movies and whatnot. And it's like, it's like, okay, just do it again, and you have no feedback of like, am yeah. I doing it? Was that yeah. good? Yeah, Was yeah, it yeah, bad? Yeah, yeah, because yeah. you're you know? used to that hearing the audience and responding to them. That's yeah, that's great. Um, I'm back into like virtual show prep mode. So I've been thinking about this a lot and like trying to mm -hmm. figure out, you know, as these, vir I have a bunch of virtual shows coming up. Um, so just like getting back in that swing of things and remembering how to do that show. Again. Yeah. <laughs> uh, sure. And then going, but also like that weird challenge of I'm booking virtual shows against shows that are live and on the road and coming back. So I'm just in that headspace. So I'm kind of all over the place. Uh, but I wanted to switch gears to instead of being in front of the camera, being behind the camera. Uh, and uh, and you you've done some copywriting. So you've been behind the scenes a bit more writing yeah. recently. So yeah, so we touched on this in the past. We had a film crew come in to kind of shoot the new trailer or commercial, whatever you want to call it, for Magic Reinvented Nightly in mm -hmm. Vegas, which was like really fun and a cool process. But then uh, with the commercial, kind of like our the previous commercial we had, there's sort of music behind it and also a voiceover. Yeah. Where you had kind of have like a voiceover actor come in and um, read the script. You didn't do the voiceover? Um, well, it's in the the way it was written the first time was in the third person, mm -hmm. so we just kept it the same way. So did, it's not my voice. Did they did they hear the Dolly Parton tape and we're like, mm, Matt, <laughs> Matt, Matt shouldn't be doing this. <laughs> it would be an interesting idea to to actually be the voice of the commercial. Actually, now that you say that, it would have to obviously be a very different right script and even probably tone. Um, but it's more like a and no uh, Southern lilt. No, no, <laughs> but it's more like a movie trailer where it's referring to. Yeah, I guess if you do it yourself, you can't say your own name. Uh, me, Matt Franco, come to yeah, my show. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's yeah, weird. Yeah. Um. Anywho, so yeah, no, it's not me on the voiceover, but I am good at those. Those I know how to do yeah. in my own voice. Good, good, good. I've done lots of that, <laughs> um, but not not for this purpose. Um. So. We have a, there's like a 30 second spot and a 15 mm -hmm. second spot and an eight second spot. And I had no choice but to sit down and write it. And now you say, why not hire someone to do that? Mm -hmm. And I don't really know the answer. Like it needs to be someone that's like intimate enough with the show. Right. That like knows what the key points are. Like at the end of the day, I have to really be the one signing off on it. So if I'm going to have to sit down and come up with what those key points are of what needs to be conveyed in the commercial anyway, might as well just take a stab at writing it. Right, exactly. And how did you fare on first drafts, getting it to that 30 seconds? I assume you started with the longest one first. Basically, start. we started with the old, yeah, the longest one first, that's correct. And we started with the old one. And then my manager basically took it and just like tweaked it like a line mm -hmm. or two and um, gave it to me. And then like, I was like, oh, cool, maybe this will work. And then we put it to the commercial, like, actually, so you could use it as a scratch track. Yeah. And it was, like, kind of sparse. It wasn't really long enough. It felt like there were a lot of dead spots where you're just not hearing any voiceover. Um, and then, like, the more I started watching it, the more I started, like, wanting to tweak it. So then I just sat down with it and started um, working on it. But, like, I wish I could have leaned on someone that could have, like, 
helped out, but like I just didn't have in my mind who that person would be. Right. And the director of the commercial didn't really um, like take charge of it. So I was like, okay, I guess this is on me, which is, right. you know, sometimes yeah. that is what happens and you got to just do it. If you don't, you don't just want to just pull in a random person who has no connection to the show and be like, here, make this. Right. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. I you think, can't. I think to convey the message that you want to convey. Yeah. I'm, I'm such a hands-on person anyway. I would, I have a hard time giving up that control to other people creatively. Right. So yeah, I know exactly what you mean. It's like, why don't you just do it yourself? So right. Did, then when you read it, it was you said it was sparse, so you added more to it to just to like fill it out, or you just like made different things. I'm I'm trying to figure out how to then go from the thirty to the fifteen to the eight and like cutting yeah. along the way. So I spent a day or two like just tearing apart, tearing it apart, and putting it back together. I guess I could I could give a sample. Oh yeah, let's do that. Right? Why not? Right? We didn't get a southern accent. We might as well get a little bit of this. <laughs> <laughs> Um, let me see if I can find, I, I, there's no, it's no big secret. It'll be, it'll be released soon enough anyway. There we go. This um, is a, uh, mind over magic exclusive hot yeah. off the presses prior to seeing the show that will, or this commercial that will air in lots of cabs in Vegas. Yeah. And the airports, <laughs> and the airport. and we, we, we air it on television yeah. too. There we go. Um, even nationally in certain markets too, like for, um, especially when we do like certain TV appearances, we'll have that be the commercial that plays, you know, right. after the segment, you know, stuff like that, which is cool. Um, so I have it in front of me. So all I have in front of me, like accessible is sort of what I think would be the final copy. You want 30, 15 or eight? Let's do 30. Let's do okay. the whole 30 seconds. All right. Oh, and I should give a shout out here. So um, Tiana, my wife, Tiana's sister is a, uh, talented copywriter, which I forgot until late last night. So <laughs> I sent her the 32nd, I sent her three different versions of the 32nd one mm-hmm. and then had her pick her favorite. Gotcha. And then I said, Oh, by the way, I need to get this down to 15 and eight. And she was very, very helpful in that regard of cutting it down. Amazing. Yeah. And in a way getting something shorter, and this doesn't just go for copywriting, but also anyone who's ever edited video yourself included right right Uh, a lot of times the shorter it is the harder it is the more you have to edit it down and it's hard to still hit those key bullet points of what you're trying to convey right because i remember when i was doing uh like my live rounds of agt too Mm -hmm. i would have my script of what i was Mm -hmm. doing but it could only fit in a certain amount of time right 90 seconds and they were very strict back when i was on the show (laughs) so yeah now you get 10 minutes it seems but anyway i'm not bitter Uh, but but (laughs) no this this actually reminds me of like i remember talking about your agt scripts and just trying Mm -hmm. to eliminate one word here or there one syllable and this was very similar to that so like in the 30 second version it'll say visit mattfranco.com to get your tickets today Mm -hmm. and then in the eight second version um bianca suggested just say tickets at right yeah not even get your tickets at or get tickets at just tickets at which totally reads and makes sense when you hear it Mm -hmm. yeah it's literally eliminating words and hoping it still made sense i remember pulling out words and be like is Mm -hmm. this a sentence is this a complete idea anymore and which which it's not by the way but i've heard i've totally heard things like that in commercials before Mm -hmm. tickets at mattfranco.com we all know what that means yeah but i would never think to do it yeah that's great Great. So All I'll right. give you a 30 second version. And uh, again, I'm not the voiceover guy, <laughs> but I will give it to you in my best voiceover. Let's do it. Okay. Now you got to picture the uh, exciting, energetic music underneath it. 
and I'm not going to time you. I know some people are going to be sticklers checking their little dial on the their podcast counter because uh, I, this you aren't doing the voiceover in the commercial. So I imagine if you had multiple times, you would have hit that 30 seconds exactly. So well, that's true. And here's that. the thing. Mm-hmm. Um, the 30 second one does have certain pauses that will be built in where the music sort of builds up and stuff. So this will actually be shorter. This will oh, be closer okay, to 2020, 2025, something like that All right, right now. Cool. Okay. Here we go. You've seen him win America's Got Talent. Now, witness Matt Franco live in a spectacular show featuring new cutting-edge magic that will leave you amazed. Performing now at the Matt Franco Theater at the Link Hotel and Experience Las Vegas. Don't miss Magic Reinvented Nightly. Visit mattfranco.com to get your tickets today. First of all, great announcer voice. Thank you. Uh, I really was trying to lay it on. Well done. Uh, also, how weird was it referring yourself in the third person? Well, I've been reading this out loud quite a bit to see if it makes sense, so I'm totally used to it now. Okay, good, good. I think it's pretty clear and concise. I mean, it's it's interesting that that's the, that's the final product, and I don't know if the listeners really appreciate all the drafts leading up to that of like right, stripping, not. And, stripping out all the fat. I mean, that's what the editing process is, is like all the things that are not needed so that the only stuff that's left is the needed information. And right. I think that sounded real streamlined. It's punchy. Yeah. It's real you know? quick, gets the point across, boom, right. boom, boom. And here's where you can buy tickets. It's there great. you go. I'm glad you enjoy so, uh, yeah, if you are – what advice if people are creating their own, like, show reel or, you know, promo would you give in writing ad copy since you've just proved you've d- done the – Right. <laughs> well, that's really interesting that you asked that because in the past – and I would created lots of promo reels, as of you, mm-hmm. um, when you're trying to promote yourself as a, you know, a, a solo performer or a group, whatever. Um, in the past, I had never had voiceovers. Have you? No, uh, it's been other than in Vegas. I've definitely focused more on the visual and the clips and showing little bits of the show. Right, exactly. And and then the actual footage of the show. I think I supplemented it with just like sub uh, with titles, like titles Mm -hmm. coming up. So if I yeah, text on the screen. Yeah. So I don't think I ever actually read it, but I know people who have voiceovers and they even like use the same voiceover guy for like their intros to their shows sometimes right Um, right but i've never really done that either i just kind of give people a card and they read it yeah i would say um advice wise i think it's just a matter of figuring out what the what are the key things that you need to convey like really important things like it's really easy to forget when you're doing something like this that like okay this is a commercial that if it airs in New York, they need to know this is in Vegas. Right, yeah, exactly. So, like, it's very important. What is it that you're selling? Like, what is it? Who is it? What does it do? Why do I need to go? How do I go? And where is it? So, the the the, who, the yeah the five W's? Is that? The- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Who, where, what, why, and how? how. Yeah. Yeah, and the H, I guess, too. Yeah. Um, those, especially if it's something really short, like 30 seconds is pretty short, um, you want to make sure at the bare minimum you have those. It's interesting that that ties into um, improv in a way, because when you're just creating a scene at the top of a show or whatever, uh, the most important thing to get out right up the top is the who, what, and where, so that Mm -hmm. people aren't asking that question. It's just answering those so that they can then focus on what they're supposed to be focused on. So you're essentially asking those same questions in a short 
amount of time just as like you're building an improv scene is the shortest amount of time possible to get the that base reality founded so that you can then improvise off of it and you're just like here are the questions you need to know here they are boom 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 that's, right that's how you tackle it well here's an interesting thing that um and this is my uh, my stance on it you have to think about how much puffery you want to have yeah like self-aggrandizing that kind of stuff or Puffery specifically is like something you can't get sued over because it's so general and clearly puffery. So the greatest cup of coffee in the world Mm -hmm. is puffery. Um, The most exciting magic show in the world Mm -hmm. is puffery. It's not an actual fact. You're not referencing an award. It's, It's what's called puffery. Magicians tend to be really, really big on puffery Mm -hmm. or, um, or at least, I mean, there's nothing wrong with where you just see less of it in comedy and you see less of it in music. And I just always wonder, I think it comes from Houdini of the showmanship gonna, you know, raise your profile in a certain way. It, like it always needs to be the greatest. It always needs to be mm-hmm. better than any anyone else. The greatest magician, blah blah blah. And I've never been like really big on that stuff, um, but it, it seems to me that I'm kind of in the minority on it. Um, I'm I'm much more with you on that too. Is like yeah. I don't, I never that kind of stuff runs me the wrong way when it's not warranted. I feel and I feel like there's a lot of people who build themselves up and they don't necessarily back it up with the show or whatever, or they're more interested in raising their profile than focused on the show itself. And I think with music and comedy, a lot of the times, the the work itself can speak for itself. And I don't think yes. you need that puffery, as you say. Yeah, I mean, you just see it so much less in comedy. You never see a headline or whatever, or, or a tagline in an ad that says the greatest comedian in Las Vegas. You just don't see that. The funniest man you'll ever see in your life. Right, right. <laughs> so, like, it's such a weird thing to me. And now there's a difference between puffery and then things that add credibility. Yes. So, for example, um, and I didn't put this, but, like, if I were to reference a, a, a specific award or even just say award winning is kind of more specific than puffery. Or if you were to say, like, now celebrating seven years on the Las Vegas Strip, that's, like, something that's, like, specific and adds credibility. You see a lot of that or, like, rated five stars in Forbes or whatever. Like, right. those, that's different because it's establishing credibility. Um, or even those, winning America's Got Talent. Those are actual facts that you could prove. Right. Theoretically. But even that, I don't like it too much. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I, it's never been my angle on, like, and, and I guess McDonald's, you know, billions and billions served. That The purpose of that is to establish credibility. Right. But I think as long as you have, like, something like that in there, as opposed to it just being the whole thing and it's trying too hard, where every single thing the voiceover is saying, yeah. or every single line of text on the screen is like establishing credibility. I think that it goes too far for me, for my personal style and taste. Right, right. You do want to separate yourself of why people might be interested if they don't know who you are. So like Absolutely. You, you using Winner of America's Got Talent, that is a pretty big credit that you would it would feel weird if it's not on some of your, you know, sure. <laughs> advertisement. Of course. Uh, but I think if you're one, I've seen people make up awards just to have awards. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, <laughs> right. or that kind of thing that's so common, uh, especially there, there is an element to fake it till you make it. But I think there's an ethical way to do it and a non-ethical way, way to do it. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I think that, yeah, you can you can have these credits that raise 
um, people's interest of why they should pay attention to you, especially if they don't know you. Like, I'll throw in a lot of my credits because I just assume no one knows who I am. So I'll just be like, hey, yeah, I was on AGT or Ellen or whatever, so maybe I am worth your time. So let me let me at least get your interest to start watching the show, but hopefully the show itself will then keep you engaged as well, you're here, already here. Here I think is you know? the point, right? So I think if you decide in your ad materials you're going to – come out of the gate saying, as seen on, blah, 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 and you list three or four credits. Boom, that's great. But the next thing you need to do is not give a quote, for me personally, give a quote from a newspaper saying how great you are or yeah. this or that. I think the next thing you want to do is establish who it is, where it is, why you should go. And what you do. I don't do. think everything should <laughs> yeah. be credited. You know, mm -hmm. Then it seems like you're trying too hard. Yeah. yeah right? Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. I think it's okay to list you know, a number, a good chunk of credits quickly. But I think the next part needs to be something different than just like, I think you need to hit him with a different tone, but that's yeah. just, uh, you know, my, uh, my personal take on it. Yeah, you know, no, I don't know that it's good advice. It's just, um, it's, it's my personal opinion. I think I'm and there think with you. Yeah. You see it in all other industries, but in magic, I just feel like we see too much of the self aggrandizing stuff. Mm -hmm. And I'd rather see you perform and then decide that you're good than, someone else saying that you're good right right like if you <laughs> rather than having a quote of someone saying how funny you are or however like just show a clip that shows you being funny let let the audience decide oh that was funny yeah it's show themselves don't they always believe it more when the, when they come up with it yeah that's a principle in improv as well as show don't tell um, mm -hmm. And that's, again, people coming to their own conclusion. And even just seeing you on stage, if there's a clip, they can get so much from that of how you present yourself, how you're standing, how, what your confidence is like, your mm -hmm. personality, your, 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 your behavior, your attitude. Mm -hmm. And it says more, a picture is worth a thousand words, right? So yeah, I'd rather exactly. see that than someone just saying how good you are. Okay. Yeah, I think the key is to not overthink it. And it's the same thing with other marketing, too, even visually, like a picture of what it is, the brand name and how people can access it. I mean, at the minimum, you want that. If you can have something clever about it that makes it really memorable and vibrant, all the better. But at least make sure you're checking those boxes um, that are often missed, frankly. Yeah. Well, speaking so, yeah. of overthinking, it's time for you to do some overthinking. Yeehaw! Because it's time for Diddle Me This! Matt picks up the... Whoa! Wrong button. Diddle Me This. I think I have... you did that two Diddle weeks in a row. Diddle Me That <laughs> Will Eric End Up Stumping Matt Riddles! They are um, similarly colored on my uh, sound pad, so that's why I keep mixing them up. But <laughs> here we go. Here is your Riddle Matt... Uh, if it took 20 people 24 hours to build a wall, how long would it take for 30 people to build the wall? Uh, let's, let's hear that again. Sorry. Yes. If it took 20 people 24 hours to build a wall, how long would it take for 30 people to build the wall? Now, this is not a political riddle. <laughs> this is nothing about the last four years, five years, six years. How long is it ago? Since, anyway, <laughs> it's nothing about the southern border. Here we right. are. If it took 20 people 24 hours to build a wall, how long would it take for 30 people to build the wall? Well, it depends. Now, if you have 10 extra people, mm -hmm. can those people actually quicken some of the process or not or does it still just take 24 hours well here's the thing this is not a math 
question. It's a well. Riddle. That was uh, yeah. the other thing is I kind of had a feeling right off the bat. I probably don't have to do any math here. Yeah, like it's not one gut. of these train leaving from Cincinnati at so and so miles per hour. Mm-hmm. How long will it reach? <laughs> right. Uh, but it does sound like that. Okay. If it takes 20, 24 hours for twenty people to build a wall between the U.S. and Mexico, how long? <laughs> no, does it not ta- Oh, you did. You there. said it's not related yeah, to that. Not necessary. Sorry. <laughs> Uh, how long would it take for 30 people to build a wall? I feel like it would take 24 hours. It's an interesting guess. There is one key word in this riddle that you misspoke. Okay, hold on. <laughs> this, this is why I like this riddle. It's based off of one word. In no, here. let me hear it one more time, though. Uh-huh. If it took 20 people 24 hours to build a wall, how long would it take for 30 people to build the wall? Mm, I'm not there's so in other words there's a play on words here. There's not a play on words, but it's one word that makes it very specific. <laughs> I'll try and emphasize it, emphasize it this time because okay, I think this this, this will give it away. Ready? Okay, all right. If twenty, pe- uh, if it took twenty people twenty-four hours to build a wall, mm-hmm. how long would it take for thirty people to build the wall? I, I understand the emphasis, and my yeah. brain thought of the "a" uh versus "the" earlier, uh-huh. but I still don't know the answer. Okay, so twenty people built a wall. Mm-hmm. How long will it take thirty people to build that wall? Zero minutes. <laughs> It's already right? built. Yeah, it's, it's the same okay. one. It's the gotcha. same one. I don't know if I could give you that. <laughs> no, definitely not. You're way too lenient when it comes to yeah how you grade me on the riddle. So no, definitely give me the buzzer on that. All right, let's switch over to the right button this time. Matt picks up the question, then he stares at it. Eric's at the ready, time to use his wit. Pressure, 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 trivia, pressure, trivia. Time for trivia. Mm. What do you got for me? Do you want to talk about a famous general? That Probably not. Or do you want to talk about inventions? Ooh, I like inventions. Okay, these are both historic, so we're going way back here. Okay, let's do it. Which of the following inventions was the first to be patented? Oh, boy. I'm going to get this wrong already. Go ahead. Cash register. Okay. Chewing gum. Hmm. Rubber band. Dishwasher. Oh, boy. I don't know at all. This is like a, um, there's a board game called like Chronology where you can actually try and guess like the inventions along the way of things that Mm -hmm. people came up with and put them in the right order. Well, I don't know the answer, but I think we could eliminate some. I don't know because I feel like some of these can be tricky because it's, again, when they're patented, not when they're invented. So sometimes you can take the long time to patent something i just found out and i tweeted about this uh like the word fluffernutter which is a big word in uh new england area for the you know the type of sandwiches with fluff and peanut butter in it yeah just became a word in the dictionary in the merriam-webster dictionary in 2021 this past year so again it takes some time yeah for uh for some things to get official so mm-hmm. that's what I'm thinking with this patent. Right away, my instinct says rubber band. Yeah. But when okay. was rubber invented? 
I don't know. So wait, I have no what, idea. What was it? it was cash register, chewing band, gum, chewing gum, mm. rubber okay. band, dishwasher. Chewing gum and rubber band are very similar. <laughs> <laughs> I feel yeah. one tastes better than the other. Cash register and dishwasher could be similar-ish. They uh, feel too electronic, but you're right. It doesn't say when were they invented. It said first to be patented. Just if I had to guess, I'm going to say rubber band. Let's that see. seems like the obvious choice. Here we go. <laughs> Woo! Wow. Make In 1845, guesses. Stephen Perry, not the singer of Journey, <laughs> of the rubber band manufacturing company, uh, Messrs. Perry and Company, invented the rubber band to hold papers and envelopes together. On March 17, 1845, Perry patented the rubber band. These first rubber bands were made of vulcanized rubber. The first dishwasher was patented by Joel Houghton in 1850. The first chewing gum, they're getting a lot of facts here, was patented by William Finley Semple in 1869. So all very similar time frames. And the cash register patented by James Ritty in 1879. So these are all in the mid wow. to late 1800s. But 1845 uh, takes the win by five years. The dishwasher was next. Wow. How long until the rubber band ball was invented? The rubber band <laughs> ball? <laughs> And I don't have that in front of me. How long until the bungee cord? <laughs> <laughs> also don't have that. <laughs> that was good. That was a good uh, trivia. We learned something. We made educated guesses. Um, so, Matt, I'm what glad is, you enjoy. That was great. Let's. Uh, I wanted to ask now that you're uh, back in full swing, no more COVID. How you feeling? What's What's next? You're still on. You're dark right now. Yeah, well, that's the thing. I'm not really in uh, full swing, right? Because mm -hmm. we're dark this week, and I'll, I'll tell you. So, I, I'm now I'm now able to get back out in the public. I was just sort of on the cusp of it last time we recorded. Yeah. Now I'm like actually allowed to um, go outside. I don't know how many days it's been, but mm -hmm. like I think I'm still I still have to be. I guess the rule is you still have to be masked. Um, but like that's the rule here anyway. Right. Exactly. So. Nothing you're, new there. You're testing um, too and making sure you're staying negative. Yeah, like I'm pretty sure now I'm at the point where I'm like non-transmissible. You know, you can test right. positive for like 12 weeks. Yeah, right. Um, anyway, so I did have to miss a, a really some close friends wedding. Um, oh, yes. This past week. So it's so upsetting and just like and I, I it was, you know, I didn't really have a choice, even though I wasn't like feeling super symptomatic. It's just. I, I, I couldn't, the responsible decision was to not be there, unfortunately. Right. Now, were you um, able to Skype in, and, like at least have your head on a monitor? No, in? unfortunately, that wasn't, uh, that wasn't an group. option. So like, it's gut-wrenching to not be able to be there for a friend, but really like to be the best friend you can, the, 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 the right move again was to not be there, which is so like counterintuitive. Yeah. Um, but there were, I, I was not alone. There were actually... Um, quite a handful of people that weren't able to be there for the same reason. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but obviously we had to shut down the show for a period of time as lots of shows here are doing, but it's all not at the same time. When this happened in March, 2020, everybody right. shut down at the same time for a long time. And like, I have this weird FOMO now, this like fear of missing out because um, 
it's it, it, like I'm shutting down while other things are all still happening. And then other things are, it's all happening as this sort of like at different times. So if you have a lot more FOMO now than you did back then, because at least then it was like, yeah, we've been closed for six months, but everybody's closed. Yeah. It's more sporadic that things are opening now as like, quote competition of other entertainment shows like do you think people are like hoping certain shows like shut down so more audience comes their way is that too of a morbid twist to this or uh, i have no idea I, I i you know me i never would think about it that way um but yeah i imagine some do um but just because something else closes doesn't mean they're coming to see you. <laughs> that is true. That's a very true point. Uh, you know, so who knows? But um, it's weird. But I mean, it, it ties into professional life, but also personal life. Like it's, I, I love seeing the photos of of the wedding and this and that. But it's so sad at the same time, and you wish you could have been there for for that for those people. You know, right, so right. it's a. Uh, it's sad and not ideal, and um, we're, we've all everyone's sort of kind of being affected by this at different times now at one time or another. So, uh, I guess we can all relate, but it's still, it still stinks. If you will. Have you tried convincing your friends to throw to having another wedding, like in a few months just so that you can go? <laughs> well, myself and a couple of the other <laughs> friends that weren't able to be there, uh, we've said, well, we've got to have some kind of celebration for yeah. them at some point. We've got to right. make it up for them. Uh, I'm not expecting them to throw a second wedding, but um, <laughs> it's kind of on us to do something, I think, at some point. So, Yeah, I think that's a good way to approach it with all of these kind of situations is like people are getting creative uh, mm. based off of these limitations that we're able to have or we're right. forced to have. So, mm -hmm. I mean, I talked about a gig I did that was a – 41st wedding celebration or not wedding birthday celebration because they during COVID times during lockdown, they couldn't celebrate an actual, you know, uh, milestone of 40. So they just delayed it a year and they had a 41st. How many people could say they had a big celebration for a 40, 41st birthday? Like, it's well, it's funny. Everybody now, I, I, when, when I'm performing at the show and I often ask if people are having celebrations, I say, oh, you know, they say it's their anniversary or mm -hmm. a birthday. I say, is it a milestone? Is it a big one? And they go, well, I'm celebrating my 40th, but it's my 41st yeah, or 42nd. Exactly. I hear that all the time now. It's really fascinating to see how that's affected and uh, what the long-term effects. And people are just going to, I think, once we're beyond, you know, COVID and lockdown and whatever, people are just going to want to go more wild and celebrate yeah. and be more appreciative right you you wouldn't believe the number of 23 year olds i've had at the show celebrating a 21st birthday in the past six months <laughs> it's true 100 percent true that's very funny I, so. i've been trying to get out more myself even with all the restrictions and still seeing shows although it seems like omicron's kind of peaked a bit and is coming down in New York. So I'm I, I'm still double masking, but I'm like, I want to see these shows before they close. Um, I ended up seeing Ain't Too Proud, which is the story of the Temptations. Uh, I don't know if you're into their music at all, but I, you know, they have so many great hits. And it was fascinating just to see the life journey and the storytelling behind it was pretty complicated because the band had like uh, the, the group had originally five members and then a lot of people came and went and uh, to tell the story in a clear way that uh, there's one line at the end of the show where he says, yeah, there's now 
24 Temptations members <laughs> there have been, and they're still going strong. Uh, so it's all, you know, based off of Otis Williams as kind of like the ringleader putting the group together, uh, but then going through all the different band members. And just the sets, again, are always amazing. And um, So it's more of the idea of the Temptations. It says the story of the original five and how they got together, but then mm-hmm. they go through, you know, recording different songs and learn. you learn things. Like, I didn't know, like, certain songs were written for them and then given to other groups, and then, you know, that the way they were each had their own little demons and also their strengths and, you know, coming together and reun- reuniting and working together. And, again, there's some fascinating stuff, obviously, with – crossing over from the color barrier they're the big crossover and getting them on tv Mm -hmm. uh and they have even like featured uh diana ross and the supremes were members of the show so it was a really fascinating show and i'm sad uh that it's closing in like a week uh but i'm very glad i got to see it and uh the, the singing and the tap and the thing that impressed me uh because the whole show basically five guys are on stage telling the story and they're moving the entire show. They're dancing. They're kind of like jogging in place. They're doing some sort of move. And you can tell these performers are working. <laughs> like, it's just nonstop. And, uh, you know, I relate a bit from being on stage, but I'm often just standing for, mm-hmm. you know, 60 minutes or so mm-hmm. uh, for my hour show. But just getting to that point where they're doing a whole musical <laughs> They have to right. be doing choreography while singing, and it's just nonstop. It's pretty amazing to watch. I, I'm always interested. I didn't realize I had that many different band members over the years. Yeah, the but fact like, that they're still going is crazy. Yeah, like if you, I, I mentioned Journey earlier, kind of the same thing. Like Journey is less of a band and more of a concept. Yeah, yeah. Um, they have one tec- technically one original member. Yeah, that's what's happening now with the Temptations, the one original member. Which is Neil Sean, the guitar player, but... A lot of their, a couple of their other members have been there since like they had their big hits, but like they really, it really is more of a concept because they've gone through so many different drummers and keyboard players and singers and, mm-hmm. um, and you know, Chicago, same thing. Like Chicago's out there on tour without Peter Cetera, who was like their big ballad singer back that, you know, had their big hits. And now they have like a fake Peter Cetera singing the songs. Um, but yet Peter Cetera is still around performing solo. It's such a weird thing. There's this element of the uh, ship of Theseus, uh, which is like a paradoxical uh, thinking problem of uh, basically you have the a ship and mm-hmm. you replace one part of the ship when you're, re- you know, whatever, a board is loose or whatever, and you replace the the board in the ship and then you keep going, right? And then you replace the mast, you replace all this other stuff. At some point, all of the original pieces of the original boat are replaced, yet it's still the the ship of Theseus. <laughs> so right. it's like, how is how is that possession of it still considered this thing when all the parts are new, mm-hmm. when all the old parts are just in a pile somewhere else, and that's not the boat anymore? So it's similar right. with these groups. I feel is you're replacing all these members, but they're still got the name and they're still doing the same songs. I guess so that makes it the entity of it but i'm just fascinated that those two ideas can kind of run parallel to each other absolutely yeah uh the other the other show real quick uh i'll I'll talk about before we wrap up is uh last night i saw american utopia which is more of a concert than a show uh but it's kind of a concept album ish idea but it's a david byrne from the talking heads and uh 
it's really fascinating that he put together. I mean, it, I knew a couple of the Talking Heads hits, but I didn't know a lot of the songs, so a lot of them were new to me. Uh, but I just loved seeing David Byrne and learning more about him as a person by going to see the show. And mm-hmm. he talks about voting and like there's little like interstitials between the songs where he's talking about the importance of getting out there and how he went down to Philadelphia to help register people to vote and he also talked about you know making sure that the band that he brought together on stage was from all over the country from France and Brazil and you know <laughs> New Jersey which you got to laugh of course <laughs> right and then also how he wanted to have this human connection and it's that that's really what i felt we were having is you you go to these shows to see someone else up on stage right to get a little piece of who they are and he didn't want all the clutter like when you see a normal concert all the amps and the equipment and all that stuff so he's like how can we be on stage untethered so all of the stuff all of his percussion it was basically marching band style and right you know, there's a keyboardist who has like a strapped on keyboard and all the guitars are wireless so they can literally move around the stage anyway. This untetheredness uh, to have that freedom to express themselves and not focus on just like, oh, what are the technical aspects going on and how can we just sit and appreciate the music? And, you know, everyone gets up and dances in a Broadway theater. It was pretty amazing. That's fun. Just the whole experience of it. So just wanted to touch upon that real briefly and say what a delight it was to see American Utopia and a lot of the messaging behind it was really, really fan- fun. Do you always see this many shows or are you just really living life for the cast these days? Uh, I'm mostly doing it because it's January after the holidays <laughs> and that's when I can get good seats in Broadway. Gotcha. <laughs> Um, and I have the downtime myself to do so when I'm not running around. Is that when traveling. Broadway slows down a little bit? A little bit, yeah. I mean, the holiday season is normally, you know, the peak, and then as soon as New Year's hits, a lot of there's there's the stragglers who stay, but yep. then um, you know all the tourists who come in. But then definitely there's a dip, you know, for the you know January into February, and I think they're even coming up on like Broadway Week, where they really that program is to encourage more people to come to Broadway by giving right. like discount tickets and so forth. So right, yeah, no, I think that's the case with tourist towns in general. You'll see that in New York and Vegas and so on. That makes mm-hmm. sense. Absolutely. Well, speaking of uh, wrapping up things, (laughs) we're going to wrap up this podcast. Yes, Uh, we are. We had a blast, as always. Uh, We have, um, again, we got to get to this mailbag. We got a couple uh, things I want to talk about in there. But if you want to reach out and ask us a question or have any thoughts on any of the subjects that we talk about, whether it's copywriting or marketing or just uh, what what your experiences on stage are or how, how to be a, you know, performer on stage i'm always fascinated by the stagecraft of things uh mm-hmm. you can write us an email at mindovermagicpodcast at gmail.com uh and that's always found at our amazing website uh created by our our lovely um fan and listener alex uh which you can visit over at mindovermagicpodcast.com uh matt what plugs do you have oh follow us on the socials by the way at mindmagicpod what plugs uh you got your show coming back when uh we're back january 17th on sale from now through i think the beginning of july and get your tickets at mattfranco.com there you go there's the announcer voice <laughs> uh you can visit me at ericdittleman.com i'm uh 
just traveling all over coming up soon. Um, still doing virtuals as well. Um, back in the saddle to do those again. Uh, and uh, yeah, visit, book me there. If you have any inquiries, we'll uh, get in touch. Uh, also, I did a, um, a recording of a podcast that's going to be coming out, Matt. Um, I was a guest on the uh, Penguin. I don't know if the, I'm supposed to be saying this. The oh. Peng- Penguin Magic uh, podcast coming out. It'll come out soon. I'll, and I'll you did it virtually? Yeah, I did it virtually. Uh, and who is it with? With Eric Tate. Uh, ah, yeah. Really so good. I did I did one with him too, but we did it in person. This was pre-pandemic. Oh, amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, I did a couple segments. I had some interesting thoughts. He asked me what my top five tricks were. Oh. And I kind of didn't answer, and you'll see why. Did you get <laughs> asked the question about, like, being on an island and what book could you have? Yeah, I did. Okay. I got that one as well. So I'll, yep. I'll tell you which one. And I kind of uh, hedged my bet on that one, too. So nice. <laughs> he asked me questions, and I just avoided them all, is basically awesome. what I said. <laughs> <laughs> but there's reasons behind it, and I'll, I'll let you know when that uh, drops so that yeah, very uh, people cool. can listen to that as well. We look forward to, to hearing well. it. And uh, goals, Matt, you had uh, an overall goal was you wanted to eat better and exercise for the oh, year. Oh, I'm doing pretty good with that. Yeah? yeah? Yeah, I forgot that was my goal, but I'm doing pretty good with it. So, yeah. Good. And any goals for next time? Um, I, I You know, I, uh, I think I want to just plan a short vacation for my dark week coming up next month. Oh, very nice. Yeah. That'll be fun. Any yeah. ideas? Any leads? Maybe just uh, down to Florida. Oh, okay. Yeah, nice. we'll see. Very good. I, my goal was, uh, for the year was to continue to self care and exercise and take steps towards writing a new show, uh, which I am doing. Uh, I am back on the VR exercise after a a slow start to the year. Uh, but we're doing that again. Uh, but I think my immediate goal is, uh, you know, all like the paperwork and like all the little stuff that builds up while you're trying to do your show. Yeah. Like, like answering the emails and doing graphics and stuff like that yes sir i just want to get on top of that that's my goal awesome (laughs) the small little office work it's important to stick with that one uh so thank you so much for listening uh we appreciate you and uh we'll talk to you next time bye (laughs) y'all